This Lenten season, we have been reflecting on atonement, that fancy word that is used to describe Jesus' death and how it brings salvation to all people. It's an interesting thing to reflect upon because it calls us to a deeper way of thinking about ourselves in relationship to God. What does it mean to be at one with God? A beautiful little thing about our language is that word atonement, if you break it up into its words, it says what it means, at one meant. How is it that we are at one with God? And how is it that God made us that very way? Our readings today bring this fully to our attention, that the Spirit of God lives within us. From the prophet Ezekiel to the gospel lesson this morning to Paul's letter to the Romans, we are reminded that the Spirit of God lives within us. As God's creation, it can't be denied, even though perhaps we attempt to deny it. And to deny it is our certain death. So how is it that we come to remember, to recognize, and to honor the living God within us, the Spirit of God, alive within each of us? I was reflecting on this um, as I was preparing for today, and I was remembering something that took place for me several months ago, back in the fall. It was a busy time, a stressful time. And I was attempting to create some patterns of behavior or even some options to address the very stress that I felt. This experience led me into a deeper experience even of Paul's letter to the Romans. Because what does it mean to be in the flesh and of the spirit? Sometimes we reflect on that and think of it dualistically as if the spirit and the flesh can be separated from one another. But you know, creators out there, that you can't parse out your presence in creation. Children are a perfect example of this. Once they come into the world, they cannot be separated into his and hers any longer. You can't take the pieces apart cleanly. They're melded together and reflect the very things that brought them into life. I think of this also in art, whether it be painting or sculpture or pottery, that you see the reflection of the creator within the object. If you've ever been over to the, the sale that we have in the fall over in Rector's Hall, you'll see that the reflection of the artists in their work, there's often a lot of pottery, but you can tell that they don't all look the same. They're distinctly different. I know in our house we have some Stephen Beecroft pottery. And you can tell the Stephen B. Croft pottery, even as it's in a stack of other pottery pieces. This is another example to us that the Spirit of God lives within each of God's creation. And you are God's creation. I am God's creation. Paul is reminding us that the Spirit of God lives within us and that it needs to be attended to. And the things that are reflected within our own physicalness need to be attended to in relationship to the Spirit. We are people. We can't pretend that we're not. And the challenges and the hopes and the dreams that we have are related to our actual physical being. And yet the Spirit of God dwells within us. 
And so as we feel those desires and longings that are unique unto ourselves, it's God's spirit that can address them ultimately. And this is what I came to remember last fall. As I mentioned before, it was a stressful time. There was a thing or two that was gnawing on me, on my head, in my heart. And I could often ignore the stresses of it if I was busy. But as soon as I let down my guard, it came back and just chewed on me. It was hard to set aside. It was hard to silence this gnawing, this pervasiveness, this persistent thought and feeling that was grabbing hold of me. And so I thought about those places in my day where it became most evident. And one of them was transitioning from work to home. Those little seams, that little quiet time was when it would become most evident. And I thought, you know what? When I go home, I'm just going to have a glass of wine. That will quiet it down. And something else spoke up within me and said, you know what? Sitting with God will also quiet it down. Come unto me. Come unto me, Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Come unto me, all you that are troubled and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was attempting to dress to address the ills of the spirit with things of the flesh. It won't work. It never works. The things of the spirit must be addressed with the spirit. So I changed my plan. You know, I, told, I talked to some people after the 8 o'clock service, and one woman said to me, Whitney, when you told that story, I remembered the line, oh, I need a drink. And I thought, what if I changed it to I need Jesus? I said, that is a great alert to you. I said, you better stock your cabinet. You've got to have something handy to go to when you remember that you need Jesus. This is what Paul is speaking about in his letter to the Romans. The Spirit of God is alive in us, and we can't address the longings that the Spirit brings to our attention with the things of flesh. Drugs, alcohol, money, revenge, things of the flesh are not going to address the gnawing pieces of the flesh. Things of the Spirit have to only be addressed by that of the Spirit. And that's what we're called to reflect upon. I don't think I'm going too far on a limb here because when I was doing the reflection and preparation for this week, one of the commentators said that Paul's letter to the Romans, this particular portion, reminds them of the third step in the 12-step program of AA. And so I thought, I will look that up. This is the third step. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. This is step three in the 12 steps. Made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. People have told me frequently about the spirituality of AA, of the 12-step program. And there has been some writing and reflection upon it. The first time that someone wanted me to know the truth of it all was over 15 years ago when they gave me this little book. 
So I decided to turn to it for today to see what stories illustrated in here that third step. And I found one particular person. He doesn't give his name. He mentions his wife's name, but he doesn't give his own. But here's where it starts at the beginning. Never once, he says, never once had my mother even hinted at the idea that when I grew up, I might like to be president of AA. Not only did I not think that being an alcoholic was a good idea, I didn't even feel that I had that much of a drinking problem. Of course, I had problems, all sorts of problems. If you had my problems, you'd drink too, was my feeling. And thus began his journey as he sought to address the ills of the spirit, what it was that was calling forth in him. He sought to address it with the ways of the flesh. He had just one drink a day at that time that most people do drink. But then he found himself drinking to fall asleep. And then he found that when he woke up in the night, he had to drink to fall asleep again. And he would wake up in the morning groggy and unable to focus. And he's a psychiatrist, and he knows what to do, what he would prescribe to someone who was groggy and couldn't focus. And so he prescribed to himself pep pills. And those worked really well, a little too well. And he felt himself carried off with the energy that they brought into him. He couldn't really even focus anymore, so then he turned to some tranquilizers. He started injecting himself with them. And he was a little disturbed by this, and he didn't want to do the injections in his house. I mean, he had children and a wife, so he did it in his car. And further and further he got into the mess of things, attempting to address the spiritual questions with the ways of the flesh. It was a long journey for him. He says, I never in my life took a tranquilizer, sedative, or pep pill because I was a pill head. I always took it because I had the symptom that only a pill would relieve. Therefore, every pill was medically indicated at the time it was taken. As a physician and a pharmacist who had grown up in a drugstore home, I had a pill for every ill, and I was sick a lot. This journey led him to various rehab places. And he, of course, had trouble coming to terms with his own addictions. But finally, he does get off of the pills. And he says that when he started AA, he'd already given up all the narcotics, most of the pills and some of the alcohol. By early July, I had tapered off alcohol completely and got off all pills in the ensuing few months. When the compulsion to drink left, it was relatively easy to stay off alcohol. But for some time, it was difficult to keep from taking a pill when I had an appropriate symptom, such as a cough, pain, anxiety, insomnia, a muscle spasm, or an upset stomach. We are in the flesh, but the Spirit of God lives within us, and the Spirit of God longs to bring us into the fullness of life. This is what our texts were telling us for today. Martha says, and Mary says, I know that my brother will be raised in the last day. We all know that too. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. 
The life I'm calling you to is here and now. Respond to the Spirit of God alive in you. Come close. Allow your pain, your stomach ache, your insomnia to be an invitation to come close. I'm calling you. Now that being said, there are times for medications, to be sure. But this is part of our journey as people to respond to the Spirit of God alive in us and to recognize that the ways of the flesh will not address our deepest longings and desires. God has placed those within us to draw us closer to the very at-one-ment that we are, a part of the living God. And that's what this author came to know. He says, acceptance is the key to my relationship with God. I never just sit and do nothing while waiting for him to tell me what to do. Rather, I do whatever is in front of me to be done, and I leave the results up to him. However it turns out, that's God's will for me. The invitation to respond to the living God, it doesn't make the challenges of life go away, but the very challenges that we face are God's invitation to us to come close, to recognize the spirit of the living God within us, to draw closer to God in the very challenges that we face so that we might have life and have it abundantly. Jesus' death on the cross reminds us of God's desire of this for us so that even when hatred was coming at Jesus, he offered love. He didn't retaliate. He responded in love. He wanted to make clear that it is love that changes and transforms us. And that love is of God. It is love that changes us, and it will indeed change us. And that love is of God. And the changing that happens in us brings us to new life. And that life is of God. This is the invitation that we see in Jesus' death and resurrection. It's what Jesus makes plain in the glory of God being known in the raising of Lazarus from the dead. This is what we need to teach our children how is it that you reach for Jesus? How is it that the stresses of this life call you to reach for Jesus? Don't worry about getting it exactly right. Just try it. Discover the capacity you have to let the Spirit of God live within you. Thanks be to God. Amen.